1: Blog Talk Radio, Rainbow Soul, iTunes. I could go on and on where so many people tune in to Off the Shelf. And our numbers are climbing week after week. We are headed the 15 years on the radio. It's hard to believe. And we have an awesome guest on deck for you this morning. But before I begin, I want to leave this thought with you. The secret of getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting ahead is getting started this is the day after Valentine's Day. I hope that whether you are in a relationship, well, we all in relationships with we're in a relationship with ourselves, our creator, our neighbors, colleagues, family members, there's nobody alive without a family member we are all constantly in relationships, so I hope that yesterday you focused on love, which is something we should do every day, but just really take time to think about it, not just in romantic ways. And that way you're guaranteed to have a wonderful Valentine's Day. So this is the day after Valentine's Day. So I want to welcome you guys to February the 15th. Hello out there to our loyal listeners who have been riding with us for 15 years. If this is your first time coming over to off the Shelf, Books Talk Radio. I just want to welcome you, and I want to tell you that you are absolutely listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. And there's still time. There's still time before we bring this guest on on live, on live. There is still time for you to tell your colleagues, your neighbors, your friends, your family members, book lovers everywhere, and particularly for this this special guest, People you know who are struggling with money issues, people you know who might be struggling with financial issues, I know a lot of folks are happy that it's tax time, especially if they're expecting a refund. If they're not expecting a refund, they're probably feeling the opposite. But if they're expecting a good refund, maybe two, $3,000 can get a new car, can get that new TV, can go and get that vacation plan. They are so excited. But there is a way to... Manage your money so you don't have to wait for a refund to do what it is you want to do. And you stopped at the right place today to get some of those tips. But even before we introduce you to this guest, i got to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you the one that goes into the movie theater, are you the one that watches TV shows and reads books? And you're not just reading to enjoy it or watch the movie for enjoying it. You're trying to figure out who did it and who did every little thing, not just a big thing, but every little thing before it's revealed. Are you one of those people? I know I like that. If you are one of those and you like, I, I, I figured it out before they said who did it, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Poem Me because there is a mystery tucked in this book that, If you figure it out before you get to the end, I would really be surprised. But that's not all you get when you get love put over me. When you get love put over me, you get a soulmate relationship that is not smooth and easy, but it's so meant to be. And it helps these two people to awaken. It's so meant to be, but the struggles, the struggles, the struggles. And then... I love the friendship between these four guys who meet in college. One of them goes on to the NFL, another one's headed for the Olympics. I mean, they are all doing well. They're coming from different parts of the world, Italy, some in the United States, other countries, but they create this bond that lasts a lifetime. And then there's a complicated father-son relationship, and it impacts. the the key character in his soulmate relationship, not so much with his friends, but other relationships that he has. If you like romance, but realistic romance, not sappy romance, and you value relationships, if relationships really at their core mean a lot to you and you love a good mystery, stop what you're doing. And get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You can get it in print or in ebook. Please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me and let me know how you enjoyed the book. And now let us go and meet our very special off the shelf guest. I'm excited. It is the New Year. A lot of people made their promises to themselves, promises or resolutions. They they are gonna get the money right. This year, they're tired of living paycheck to paycheck. They're tired of taking jobs they really don't want because they need the extra money. They're tired of working 80 hours a week. You stopped at the right spot. Now, our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Karen Ford. Karen is passionate about helping you achieve financial independence. She doesn't want to see you struggling financially or living in debt. She is a motivational speaker and a master financial coach. We're going to find out more uh, about these things as we go into today's interview. Now, Karen also works as an administrator and elder at Faith Church International. And you would think, what is she even concerned about money for? But, but there is so much freedom when you get your money right. She is a wife and mother of three children, and she is also the author of the books You Can Do It, Money Nuggets, 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money and Money Matters. You can discover more about Karen at KarenFord.org, and that's K-A-R-E-N-F-O-R-D.org, karenfor dot KarenFord.org. And, of course, you can absolutely learn more about Karen and her books and her works right here. Just keep listening to Off the Shelf. We are Honored to have Karen join us this morning And I hope I pick up the right line We're honored to have Karen join us this morning Welcome to Off the Shelf, Karen
0: Hey there, Uh, good morning to you, Denise So glad to be on here with you
1: Oh, this is a perfect uh, Thank you, thank you for your time This is a perfect topic Early in the year, we are still in February There's still time to hopefully Maybe somebody will hear something on a today's show that for them, or they pass along to somebody who can listen to the show and wants to finish the streaming in the archives. It might save them thousands of dollars. It might keep somebody from staying up at night trying to figure out how am I going to pay that bill. So, but before we get to that, Karen, every guest on Off the Shelf, I ask about the same first four to five questions, so our listeners can. Get a little intro on our guests before we launch into talking about their books, so to kick it off, Karen, can you please tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up?
0: Oh, sure I grew up in Fairmont, West Virginia, and I am one of seven children, so <laughs> both my mom wow. and dad were hard working people uh before they retired. And uh, I'm so thankful for how they raised us because uh, we didn't have, you know, all of the bells and whistles that other children did because there were so many of us. However, they made sure there was always food on the table, that we were clothed and, you know, had things that we desired, but we didn't get everything that we wanted, uh, which that's perfectly okay because that actually causes you to appreciate (laughs) things. Uh, when you work hard for them and earn them. And so that's what life was like growing up uh, in our family. I'm one of seven kids. We lived in a four-bedroom house, and there was one bathroom. (laughs) They didn't get a second bathroom put in until most of us were out of the house.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I bet y'all said, oh, now, you know, you're grown and your parents talking about money. They have more money. They don't have to feed seven kids. Do you think growing up in a family, so a total of nine people, do you think that sort of kind of led you toward the money matters uh, down that path?
0: I think so. Maybe I didn't recognize it early on because I'm actually, I have a history of uh, being a registered nurse. Uh, however, I enjoy working with money, earning money, helping other people do the same and, and get control of their money. Uh, but, you know, to be honest with you, my, my mom and my dad taught us, you know, when you get paid, you don't just go spend all of it. You have to save some. You have to give some, you know. Um, and they taught us at an early age, this is not a free ride. You know, you're a part of this house. You're a part of this family, so everyone is going to have chores to do. And a lot of the chores we did, we did not get paid for. We did not have an allowance. And so they taught us early on if you're going to do anything in life, you know, there's no free ride, you've got to earn it. And so I'm so very grateful for that today uh, because I don't always see that uh, in today's culture and society. you know, which we can talk about that. <laughs> but,
1: uh, and, you know, you know, I wanted it, to ask it. you as well. When you were so, you, you you maybe your parents, you know, growing up with Sabin and the way they raised you, and I had to do chores too, I think that was common back then. And sometimes you got an allowance and sometimes it was just, this, these are things that you have to do to help uh, the family as a whole. But when you were a little girl, Karen, and you looked out at the world, what did you say, when I grow up, I want to be?
0: Oh, when I grow up, I want to be a nurse. That, that was something oh. that I always desired uh, to become. I wanted to help people, uh, and I still am helping people, but just not as a nurse. I, I look at it like this. I, I look at it, uh, Denise, like as a nurse. I helped people get healthy physically, and now as a master financial coach, I help people get healthy financially. So I'm still helping people; it's just in a different way.
1: Yeah. I wanted to be a nurse, a nurse or a teacher. I heard a lot of young girls when I was growing up. Now, how did you get started working in the ministry?
0: Well, it's the same church that I that I attend. Uh, and there's an administrative gift, you know, that I have, and uh, my pastor had recognized that, and I started volunteering some in the office, and before you know it, I was hired, Uh, and I just kind of slid right into it, uh, to be honest with you, Um, and then he also had noticed uh, that I enjoy numbers. I enjoy working with money and making it grow, and he recommended that I go and get more training in that arena, so I did, and so I became a master financial coach, and I, I actually don't look back, actually. I look back as being a nurse as something I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, but they changed a lot of things in the hospital. You know, a lot of times they use a lot more computers now, and they had told us it would help speed things up so that we would have time more time with our patients and patient care, but I did not find that personally true for myself. I don't know if it's because I'm older or what, but uh, I felt like I was spending more time on the computer and documenting and charting oh, really? than I was actually spending time with the patients. And, and uh, and you know, I'm very satisfied and, and happy in the position that I'm in. I enjoy administrating and I also enjoy Uh, helping people get control of their money. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) How long, I'm just curious, this wasn't a question I planned on asking you, but how long were you a nurse and how long have you been working as a financial coach?
0: Well, I started out as a nurse's aide years ago, and I worked as a licensed practical nurse, a LPN, uh, for I think 10 years. And then, um, while I was an LPN, I became a registered nurse, and I, I worked as a registered nurse for eight or nine years, and I've been in a position that I've been right eight years. So, yeah, no, I I take that back. I've been in my position almost ten years.
1: Yes. Oh, so you did nursing a long time and then finance. So this is a new term for me, and it might be for our other off-the-shelf listeners. What is a master financial coach? What does a, a master financial coach do?
0: A master financial coach guides people into the money-related arena. Uh, for example, it's kind of like I have a magnifying glass, uh, and it may it's obvious to me some areas that need to adjust in that person's life uh, regarding money. I teach people how to budget properly. (laughs) Some people budget, but they don't do it properly. Uh, I give steps to how to demolish debt so that you can get out of debt more quickly than anticipated. I also coach people into building wealth, whether that's with IRAs, 401Ks, um, as well as, you know, entrepreneurship, do you want to start a business, what's that going to look like, as well as real estate investing and and stocks. Uh, I do all of the above, so. <laughs>
1: you know what, yeah. there's a lot of uh, information out here, maybe because I've worked at financial services firms. To me it just seems like it's everywhere, but maybe it really isn't. When you said teaching people people budgeting, uh, and that's can you give a a tip? So so before we move on, an early tip. When when I always was taught to budget, you budget, you put down what are all your debts, what are your like your recurring debts, and what debts do would you have to like pay? Like you either have to sell your house or you have to keep paying the mortgage, or you're gonna be put out in the street. Same thing with a, a auto loan. But like cable TV, you could just shut that off tomorrow, <laughs> and you just or or the, so so there's different types of debt. Is that what you teach people? And then what is your income? Where's all your your money coming in? And then how can you to get it either to increase your income or lower your debt? What are some things that people think they're getting right when it comes to a, a budget that that actually may be hurting themselves?
0: Well, some people feel like they're doing well with their budget because they pay a credit card payment every month. And the ultimate goal is is not to have a bunch of credit cards because each credit card uh, surely, you know, charges interest. So you're mm-hmm. going to end up paying more for those items that you charged on the credit card. Another um, scenario is people feel like they do really well with budgeting because they go out to eat. Once a month, and, and that's certainly okay, but how much are you spending on that? Uh, someone said that they thought they were doing well with their their uh, satellite cable, you know, for their TV, and they had nine TVs in their house. Well, they have a box attached to each one of those TVs, and it's just mm. three people in the house. So I look at the whole picture. I look at, you know, what do we need to adjust? By far, most people don't like to change they would prefer to adjust rather than change. So I use the word adjust, even though it pretty much means the same thing. People by nature of habit don't like to change. So I look at what income do they have coming in? Is any money going out before you get your paycheck? Are you investing a lot, you know, in a uh, employer related 401k? Now I am all for investing and preparing for retirement. Absolutely. However, how much are you putting in that if you have you know X amount of debt that you're that you're needing to pay off? So my goal is is to get the debt demolished so that you have more money in your hands to invest
1: properly. Mm. Smart, smart, smart. You know, I always tell myself keep try to keep my debt as close to zero as I can. Now, you said you t- did some trainings. What was it? Did you have to like the Master Financial Coach? Is that like a two year training program? Do you have to get licensed for that, and then keep your licenses active? How do you become a Master Financial Coach and then and stay Look, active in it? it?
0: It's not a license. It's a certification. Um, and it was actually, you know, I did a lot of reading and studying beforehand, and then it was, a, it was a week-long training. And by the time that week-long training was done, we were certified into being a master financial coach. And then what I've done is I have continually uh, stayed on the top of my game in the area of money, constantly studying, reading, and learning because money typically doesn't change. Uh, what happens is it changes and it does things when it's placed in people's hands. So, (laughs) you know, Mm. money, whether it's a euro, a peso, or a dollar, you know, the value of it may change over a period of time according to how the economy is going. Uh, However, uh, it it doesn't change. It changes in the hands of the people that hold it and possess it.
1: Interesting. Now, when did you start writing on Money Matters?
0: I wrote that. I'm trying to remember exactly when that was published. If I'm remembering correctly, I believe that was published a couple of years ago uh, in 2018, I believe. And so, yeah, it was in 2018. My first book I wrote in 2017, and then I wrote book number two and number three in 2018 and book number four in 2019. And so I, don't, a, I didn't really, oh, go ahead.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, you go ahead.
0: I, I didn't really set out to write books, to be honest with you, but I feel like, you know, I'm one person and books can go worldwide. So it was a win-win situation because, even though I might not be able to be physically somewhere to teach people, my books can be.
1: Now, did you, so So you became a master financial coach. Were you doing one-on-one counseling sessions with people, and did you see any glaring, repetitive issues that kept coming up with different people that you were count, uh, coaching that you said, wow, this is a, a one a reason I'm captured in a book, to try to help as many people as I can. And if that was the case, could you share two to three things that you saw that just kept coming up?
0: Actually, I can tell you the number one thing that people told me when they did not know how to handle their money. I discovered that most of the people that I have coached did not know how to budget. And that's across the board. I've coached people from the age of 18 all the way up to 72. And the common denominator among all of them was, I don't know how to budget. No one ever taught me. And so it's starting at square one. And certainly, we're never too old to learn anything. And I have compassion for people on that because of varying reasons, maybe their parents didn't take the time to teach them how to budget. Maybe the parents themselves didn't know how to budget. You know, I've coached many widows that their, their mate actually took care of all the finances and the paying Mm -hmm. of the bills. And so when he passed, he passed before she did, and she had not a clue how to handle the money. So now she's not only dealing with grief at the loss of her husband, But now it's overwhelming to her because she doesn't know the state of their finances. She's having to pay bills that she's never had to pay before because he took care of them. So I'd say the number one thing across the board was not knowing how to budget.
1: That is so common with women who either are divorced or uh, the the husband passes. uh, Because some men just either they don't want their wife to see – I don't know, sometimes Maybe it makes them feel more powerful The one who's managing the money Has the power And so they may feel more powerful that way I, I don't understand that Even some men who struggle with money they don't. Their wife never sees the bills They just, they do it all So then when they pass She's got to dig through all this And deal with it all Every bit of it So it's, it could be in that way Harmful to the wife It's <laughs> not like if you love your wife don't hide the bills. Get the know what's out there and not try to make yourself look perfect or so powerful that you could work together as a team on that. But can you share a synopsis for money matters with us?
0: The synopsis for money matters, I I, I titled it Money Matters for two reasons. Because money does matter. I mean let's face it we have to have money to live. (laughs) And so money does matter. But I also uh, titled it Money Matters, because that book discusses the matters surrounding money, all the way from budgeting. How How are we supposed to budget and take control of our money? And that's one of the number one ways to take control of your money is to budget. I define budget as uh, you're telling your money what you want it to do instead of wondering where it went. And many people that I have have coached or talked with, I say, do you ever look at your W-2? You know, you're getting ready for tax time. And when you look at that W-2 and see the total income, do you look at that and are amazed and shocked and think, what happened to all that money that I made? And if they say mm. yes, then I say, you don't budget, do you? <laughs> and they say, no, I don't. And so a budget is you're in the driver's seat with your money. You're in control of your money. And people that don't budget don't have control of their money. Have you ever had money in your wallet? And at the end of the week, you look in your wallet and you think, wow, what happened to all that money that was in my wallet? (laughs) And you don't even remember where you spend it and that's because we're not budgeting properly so that book covers budgeting it also talks about mindset and how how are we supposed to think about money and and I heard someone say this and I apologize I don't know who I'm quoting but thoughts become words words become actions actions become habits so and habits become a way of life so are we do we keep saying and having self-talk saying, well, I'll never get out of debt. I'll never get out of debt. We need to stop that conversation because everything within your person is going to believe what you're saying. Therefore, you're always going to be never out of debt. When we we can change our way of thinking and change our thoughts, we end up changing our words, changing our actions, changing our habits, and changing the way we live. So if we can change our words to oh, it's not that hard to get out of debt. It's it's not going to be hard at all to get out of debt. And I'm a wealth builder. And I know it almost sounds like it's ridiculous to say that, but words are very powerful. And so and you know, when we, we start saying words like that, then everything within our being, everything within our person is going to move towards that.
1: You And you know what's funny? When we think something sounds absurd, like I'm a wealth builder, When we were born, the slate was clean, so something got written on the slate to make I'm a wealth builder sound ridiculous. If you were born hearing that, to hear I'm poor would sound ridiculous. So it's just something, a mindset that we've gotten used to, and you're just saying, help help yourself start to move in another direction. The slate was clean when you were born, so... It only sounds absurd because you've already written something on the slate. That's the opposite. Just start moving in a different different direction, and and uh, maybe even get a master financial coach if you still need help coming out of debt. I have to. You're talking about mindset, so I have to ask you this. And this is from going to church, and I'm telling you, I've seen so many people who are religious fall into this. That like it's a poll, Things are supposed to magically happen And I can give you an example I can remember when I was a a, a church a secretary Somebody got up and they were asking the pastor To go visit someone and pray for him And he said okay, okay what's going on And they said he's, they th- thought he was getting depressed Because he didn't have a job He got laid off So the pastor went to visit him And he asked him as they're talking Where have you applied And maybe I know some of the people where you've applied and I can put in a good word for you. He said, I haven't put in any applications. I'm just waiting on God to bring me a job. So this this is recent. This is like just a couple of years ago, this magical thinking that that somehow the money is just going to magically appear and magically work out. Do Have you found this magical thinking that people just say, I'll just pray about it. They'll do whatever with their money, be late paying their bills, maybe not paying their bills. I'll pray about it, and it's just going to automatically work out. This is something I just got to talk about. Have you seen that? Have you seen that with anybody you've worked with?
0: You know, to be honest with you, I have, and you know, and I know that maybe some of the listeners are not, you know, Christian or, or religious in that way, but I, some folks that that are you know, we can't really play the blame game <laughs> and sit back and say, well, I have all these bills, but I'm just going to wait on God to help me pay them or wait on God to take care of them. Well, I, I understand that. I, I do. But if we have a job and we, if we made the debt, then it's ultimately our responsibility to take care of those debts and pay those debts. Now, God will help us uh, come alongside and help us get out of debt, help us build wealth, and help us do the things that we needed to do uh, monetarily, but we have to cooperate with them. I I gave a a, uh, illustration one time, you know, God God gave men work to do, you know, he gave Adam and Eve a job to do in the garden, he said, tend the garden. So he did give us work to do, and that was that happened before the fall ever happened. So, <laughs> you know, we can't just sit back and, uh, on our recliner and uh, make all these bills online and, and then just expect, okay, well, God's just going to help me get out of debt. Well, yeah, he will help us, but we still have to cooperate with him. He wants us to be wise with our money, uh, not frivolous. That doesn't mean that he, he doesn't want us to have things that we desire or need. Uh, that just simply means that he, you know, he wants to help us, but we have to cooperate with them. We can't mm, just very go out and be spendthrifts and, you know, charge up all different kinds of things, and then, you know, he, it, it, it doesn't work that way.
1: <laughs> and I'm, ta- <laughs> he, he I'm Karen. I know so many people who are devout Christians who, who,
0: yeah. And it's almost
1: sad. so, what you're doing, you you, it almost seems like some of this needs teaching needs to happen more in churches. Not asking people to give you money. You don't want to go in and do that. But I I can only think of how many people are their finances are so bad that they're they're troubled, and if they had an emergency, they've done studies that the average American wouldn't doesn't have even four hundred dollars anywhere anywhere if they were to, if, a, if an emergency would have happened and maybe been working 20, 30 years, has never even saved $400, which is almost astounding. So it, there is a lot of that magical thinking, I think, going on. It's just going to automatically work out. It's just going to work itself out. I don't know where this magician is. But I, wish right. I, wish it, I don't know <laughs> where this fairy's freaking on his money dust there's, is. Now, can you yeah. tell us about There's a Bible book. Uh, that, oh, go ahead no no
0: no go ahead Karen there's a bible Bible verse that says the diligent prospers and so you know what what God is saying in that verse is he's going to cause prosperity to be in the hands of those that are going to be diligent meaning they're working they're doing their part they're paying their bills they're not sitting on their hands saying okay well I made all these bills take care of it God no he says that it's It's the diligent who will prosper. That's who he's going to prosper are those that are wise with their money. Those that are wise with their money are those he's going to, to help out. So, um, you know, there's Bible verse after Bible verse that talks about wisdom and wealth and how God wants to prosper those that are wise. And, you know, I'm just thinking here, uh, you know, there's a parable of the talents where one guy was given one talent, one guy was given two talents, one guy was given five talents, and the master said, Here you go, do, you know, make some money with this, and I'll be back. Well, when he came back, the guy with five talents had doubled it, the guy with two talents doubled it, and he said, Great job, you know, this is great. The guy that had one talent, he called him a wicked servant because he said, Well, I knew that you. We're a, a, a wicked, you know, you're a hard taskmaster. And, and, you know, the master said, well, you should have at least invested it. You should have put it in the bank or something so I would have at least that. The guy that was given one talent had buried it. And so God doesn't want us to have the things that he's given us and just bury it, not use it, not, you know, we're supposed to be wealth builders. We're supposed to, God places things in our hands, he places money are in our hands. And he wants us to help, he wants to help it grow. And so I, I looked at that one day and I thought, uh, you know, it almost seemed kind of fair, unfair that he gave one guy five talents, one guy two talents, and one guy one talent. Why did he only give the one guy one talent? I mean, it seems like he kind of got the short end of the stick in a way. But if you look at that passage, it says, He gave to each one according to their ability. So if you're looking at other people, your neighbors, or you're comparing yourself to the Joneses, and you're wondering why they have all of the things that maybe you want or whatever, sometimes it's because God is going to give to us according to our ability. Am I saying that you're destined to only have what you have right now? No. But what I'm saying is we need to increase our ability. Listen to podcasts like this. You know, read books. Teach yourself. Watch YouTube channels that are, that are informative where you can increase your learning capacity and increase your ability so that God can entrust you with giving you more.
1: Interesting, interesting. You know, I want to get even uh, very clear steps that are off-the-shelf listeners, you know, the the one you shared around the budgets, the uh, the example with the the uh, I want to say the satellite TV having so many, and you paying for each of those boxes. The same thing if you have like three or four different cable boxes, you're paying for each of those boxes every month. Or do you, do you have a best cell phone deal? Is it time to look at a better cell phone deal? Uh, this stuff is not just going to work out on its own. That said, can you tell us about some of the topics? What would a, what an off the shelf listener get or gain from reading Thirty One Days to a Greater Understanding of Money? What are some of the topics oh, you first, in
0: that book? Oh my, there's so many topics in that book. Now, the Thirty One Days to a Greater Understanding of Money is a devotional. It's a 31-day devotion that takes you less than four minutes to read each day. And you can read it over and over each month, each month as you're choosing. You know, but I I look at different topics as be like the ant. You know, there's Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is such a book of wisdom in the Bible, and and it talks a lot about money. And so be like the ant. How does the ant act? You know, are they working? Yes. <laughs> you know, it just takes a little. You know, what's in your hand? What do you want? What's in your house? What are you saying? Contentment. You know, I've met so many people that are not content with what they have, and they're constantly complaining about the house they live in or the car they drive or you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, there's a Bible verse in Hebrews that says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. God's not saying that he, that we can't have money. You know, he says that he gives us the power to get wealth. So why would he want us to have, why would he give us the power to get wealth if he didn't want us to have wealth? So he doesn't have a problem with us having money. He doesn't want money to have us. It shouldn't be a constant focus of our lives, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, how to make more money and and be a lover of money. But to be satisfied, to be content with the home that we live in right now, to be content with the car that we're driving right now. Does that mean that you have to drive that car for the next 20 years? No. But be thankful And content with it right now until you're able to get the newer car. Be content in the home that you live in right now until you can move into the home of your dreams. But we're talking about contentment. We're talking about not not necessarily borrowing money. You know, it says in Proverbs, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Now, If we're going into debt for everything, then we're a slave to the debt. We're a slave to the lender, whether that's a car payment, whether that is a house payment, whether that's a credit card payment. Because now every month or every time you get paid, now we have to be mindful about making sure that we pay those specific debts. So. Mm You know, that's 31 days to a greater understanding of money. That book is just so full and rich of various things. And then to give generously. Do we give to get or do we give because we want to give that, because that's in our heart to give?
1: Mm. What's our motivation now, you,
0: behind it?
1: You know, and it's so funny when you think you think um, that people who are wealthy uh, think about money all the time, but I think people who are impo- Poverty think about it a lot too So either way it's constantly on your mind But you have a lot of it Or you're constantly thinking about it Because maybe Like you said you haven't Increased your ability And now you're Constantly are just barely getting by I've lived that way myself And there is no fun And so it's always on your mind So you can't say that wealthy people are always thinking about it You are too It's constantly on your mind based on so this, this master financial coach helping you come out of it so you can live your life without constantly thinking, how much does that cost? When am I going to have enough to pay the bill? Bah, 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 bah. Can I make it to the next paycheck? That is, to me, not not freedom. Can you share, in, in money nuggets, a compilation of these empowering quotes about smart money management, can you share a few money nuggets with our off-the-shelf listeners?
0: Happy to. I'll I'll read one of
1: the nuggets to you, if I may. Uh,
0: When making a purchase, is it a want or a need? Is this life-sustaining or fulfillment of greed? If you buy all your wants, you will find much concern. You'll soon beg for your needs if you spend all you earn. And Mm. that is a nugget because when you're getting ready to buy something is it a want or a need am i saying that you can't buy what you want no but we need to check ourselves is it because i'm am i buying this because it's a want or a need is it a life sustaining or fulfillment of greed so that causes people to think about what they're spending their money on Uh, Another nugget is beg, borrow, or budget. The choice is yours. Wow. (laughs) And then uh, another nugget is will you manage your money or will it remain? People who don't manage their money will soon wonder where it went.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Worth, Worth paying attention to. And, again, it's February. We are speaking with. Karen Ford, and she is a master financial coach, the author of You Can Do It. We're going to talk about that book uh, soon, Money Nuggets, 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money and Money Matters. And you can find Karen Ford online at karenford.org, karenfor org Budgeting, not expecting things to automatically just work out and, and just giving yourself that freedom. To know that if something were to happen that you didn't even see coming, you would at least have 500 or or $1,000 so you don't have to sweat, sweat, and then go and borrow even more money and go into even more debt because something came up that you, you didn't foresee. Living paycheck to paycheck is just not fun. Now, how soon after you finished Money Nuggets did you start writing, You Can Do It?
0: I think if I remember correctly, I took a little bit of a break. (laughs) I don't recall how little time of a break it was, but I have a passion for real estate. I really enjoy real estate investing, uh, rentals, buying, flipping, or just buying and selling. And so to be honest with you, I I think I may have taken a a few months break between money nuggets and you can do it. Uh, But, yeah, you can do it actually came – uh, quickly uh, because it just seemed like I had delved in the real estate investing in all of those realms. I've bought houses at auction. I've bought houses on foreclosure. I had delved in rental properties, and I've bought and slipped, and then I've just bought and sold, so I've done all of that, and it just seemed natural uh, to make a book available uh, in that arena as well.
1: You went from nursing, master financial coach, <laughs> to how long? So how long? What what pulled you into the? I know real estate was really really hot in the late eighties and the nineties, um, and in the early two thousands. What pulled what pulled your interest into to real estate? And how long have you been buying and selling houses, renting homes, et cetera?
0: Hmm. Well, uh, twelve years actually. I had. I, my oldest brother actually has been, in, uh, been a real estate investor for a number of years, probably close to 30 years, uh, to be honest with you. And I saw how well he was doing with it. And long story short, I said, you know, tell me about how you handle rental properties and that kind of thing. And that's actually where I started was rental properties. So began buying properties and using them as rentals. Uh, and that's what that's what sparked it. I saw his success with it, and I thought, I wonder if I can do it. And I spoke with my husband about it, and so he said, Yeah, let's let's go for it. So we did. Yeah, that's what started that. I saw his success, and I and then I thought, Well, can I do this? And uh, yeah, that's what started that.
1: And when you look back, can you say that it is it something you would say is worth it? Especially when you. Buy a house at an auction, just like buying a car at a auction. You don't know what condition it's in. So you, you then you have to have those good, strong contractor relationships so they so it, the money is well spent, you're not taken advantage of, it, and you earn a profit. When you look back over it all, I'm sure there were hits and misses and ups and downs and surprises, but is it something you could say from a financial, not just a personal, you enjoy it, but financially that you would say it's very worth it?
0: Yes. I would say, financially speaking, it it is worth it. Am I saying there were never ups and downs? No. (laughs) There there were ups and downs, but it was always a learning experience. I mean, anytime you do something new, I find that you can really learn a lot. You learn what to do, what not to do, things to avoid, things to embrace, just different. There's so many things involved with real estate investing, but it's definitely a learning experience, and, and financially speaking, it is well worth it, yeah.
1: So when we talk about risk involved in real estate investing, what are some of the key, key risks? Is, is renting a safer way to get involved versus buying houses, uh, repairing them, fixing them up, and selling them?
0: It depends on where you live, and it depends on uh, you as a person. How involved are you going to be in the rental process? Are you going to have a property manager that you pay uh, to screen the potential renters to show the property, uh, to sign the lease? Or are you going to be the hands-on individual uh, who's going to do that? So it all depends on uh, what you're, you're wanting to do. Uh, are you going to be an owner that nobody knows you're the owner, so to speak, and let the property manager handle all of that? Uh, as far as uh, money goes, financially speaking, it depends on where you live. And it de- really, it's location, location, location. You know, a, a trailer maybe in Mississippi or Tennessee, not maybe it's going to be a, a nominal value. But if you are out in California, Uh, in an expensive area, that same trailer can be worth millions of dollars. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're in Malibu. So it depends on location. Uh, You may be in a, you know, a college or university town where, you know, you can actually charge higher rent because you you know that they're going to rent because of all the students coming. Uh, So looking at it from that point of view, it depends on where it is And the same goes for uh, buying and flipping. You have to know the market. You have to look at the neighborhoods where you're thinking about buying a house to flip. You don't want to buy a a $50,000 home on foreclosure and put $50,000 in it to flip it at $150,000 if all the houses in that neighborhood sell for $80,000 not going right. to happen you don't want to spend a lot of money and put money into a home where it may be a beautiful home you may have gutted it and put everything brand new in that home uh, but if the neighborhood if the market does not support your asking price that house is going to sit on the market for a long period of time and so you have to know and be diligent on knowing the market. You can actually uh, talk with realtors in your area uh, that can help you with that. Uh, you can read books on that, but know your market. Don't just jump in at the deep end of the pool without wading in at first, so to speak. You have to still do your due diligence. So, to tell you renters or Buying and flipping is better. It all depends on location. It depends on you as a person, and it depends on um, how involved you want to be in that process and location.
1: Now, now in in the book, you can do it. Do you offer tips on house flipping? I know some real estate companies will do. uh, I've seen, well, they do more realtor, but you'll see trainings. You hear them on the radio. Uh, Although house flipping, I haven't heard it. They spoke about as much, but in the last few years. But do you offer tips on house flipping for anybody who might be interested in getting involved in that? In your book, you can do it.
0: Oh, absolutely! I have a whole chapter in that book on uh, flipping: uh, what to do, what not to do, how to look for that uh, that house that you're considering flipping, and what things to look for in that house. You know, if you're if you're wanting to flip, you want to look at big ticket items because is, is this house gonna break your budget? So you have to look at the house and not get emotionally attached to it because you're not gonna live in it if you're gonna flip it. So you don't need to buy the highest end of everything that you purchase. What does the roof look like? Are you gonna to have to replace that roof? Uh, what's the foundation look like? You wanna make sure that that foundation is sound and solid. What about the central air? What about the heating system? What's the plumbing system look like? When I look at a house, I want to see if if the roof is intact and if it looks good and doesn't need replaced. I look at the foundation, and then I look at the age of the hot water tank, the heating system, and the cooling system. All of those are big ticket items. Paint is easy. Carpet flooring is easy. You know, gutting bathrooms and, and the kitchen, that's not too bad. But when you're talking about a roof on a 2,000-square-foot house or heating system, cooling system, foundation, you want to look at all of that. And you have to think, uh, go to uh, the Home Depots or, you know, these places to figure out the cost uh, and also have a contractor uh, look at the house with you as well so they can see uh, and maybe look at things that maybe you're not looking at. Uh, they'll, they'll look in the basement. They'll look in the crawl space. They'll look at things that maybe you're not thinking about. And they can actually give you a pretty uh, good estimate on what it's going to cost you. So when buying a house to flip it, you definitely want to go in with both eyes opened and know what you're wanting to do before you make the purchase.
1: And I'm sure, like you, you had your brother, so somebody working with someone who has done it before to some degree in the industry you're working in, that is also very, very helpful because they have a lot of first-hand experience and tips like you've been sharing today that they could share with you. Now, who are the readers, because there's more than house flipping in the book, who are the readers who can you think could benefit the most from reading you can do it?
0: Oh, you can do it. Uh, the readers for You Can Do It would be those that are presently real estate investors but want to do more, or those who have never done any real estate investing but have a desire to enter it. This book would actually give you everything from rental properties to buying and selling, how to buy those properties, and, um, and flipping, and how to buy properties through auction and foreclosures. So I would say you can do it would be for readers that are presently real estate investors or have never done any real estate investing but want to.
1: Interesting. Never done any but they want to. How can, before we move on, how can real estate investors – you just you list it one way going in the house bringing in a contractor looking at the big ticket items seeing how old like the heating and cooling system and the roof roof or what are the age of these items but what are some other ways that real estate investors can reduce their risk while investing in the in a property
0: reducing your risk is is you definitely want a contractor with you when you go into the property and make a list of the things that are going to need replaced or repaired. Now, obviously, you know, if it's a foreclosure, sometimes those utilities aren't on. You need to look at the electric box. You just need to look at everything and make a list of the things that are going to need repaired or replaced. That helps reduce the risk. Something else that would reduce the risk is know how much money you want to spend before you sign that contract. You know, some people end up buying a house and then they think it's only going to be so much money to do what they need to do to flip it. And it ends up costing them double because they didn't Mm -hmm. look at everything they needed to look at. So, you know how much money you're wanting to invest in that property before you buy the property. Don't, what was it, grandma used to say, don't buy a pig and a poke. Go look at that property and know what you're getting
1: <laughs> before you mm. buy it. And that's a part of the good uh, money budgeting. Mud- budgeting, know what you're getting into. Know know how much. Whether it's with real estate or you buying a you buying a car or a house or whatever you're doing, your relocating with a job. How much are you? Go- how much really are you going to have to put out if you move from a small town to uh, uh, New York City or Hawaii Or LA with a cost of living is Way up there so, you know, Those types of things Now I want to talk We have a la- about 5-6 minutes Left in today's show Wanted to ask you You said you never really set out to write a book It was just something that you said You wanted to share What you had learned with a larger number of people Without having to do individual Or group coaching sessions And so a book look like a perfect way to do that. But now that you are a writer, Karen, what writing process do you follow? So when you're starting to write a book, do you do outlines? How do you start pulling the book together?
0: Uh, Well, first of all, knowing what you want the book to entail, what do you want the content to be? So when I looked at You Can Do It, I, I knew I wanted to write a book on real estate investing. And then what I did was I actually listed the chapters, not necessarily the the chapter titles, but knowing what the chapters should cover. So that's, I sat down and thought, okay, what does this book need to cover? It needs to cover rental properties, it needs to cover leases, it needs to cover um, how to buy properties at auction, how to buy properties with foreclosure, how to buy properties with a, realist, with a realtor, um, and then flipping, knowing what to look at. So when I think about the writing process itself, I think about what does the book need to cover? What do I want it to cover? What do I want to write about? Okay, I want to write about money. Well, that's a broad topic. So how can I uh, hewn that down? Well, I want to talk about our attitudes toward money and how powerful our words are. So there's a chapter on on having the right mindset because thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and habits become a way of life, our character. So I have a chapter on that. I have a chapter on tithing. Uh, Is tithing for today? Do we need to tithe? Does God expect us to tithe? (laughs) And what is it used for? So I have a chapter on tithing. I have a chapter on budgeting. Uh, A budget is you telling your money what you want it to do so you don't wonder what happened to it. And it's you in the driver's seat. So what does that budget need to look like? If your income is, you know, $5,000 a month, can you have a mortgage of $3,000 a month? No. How do I know that? Because a proper budget will tell you that. Uh, So I have a chapter on budgeting. And if, uh, you know, knowing society and and culture today, there's a lot of people that have debt. So, you know, I have a chapter on how do we demolish debt and a chapter on how do we build wealth, the various ways of building wealth and how do we do that. So Mm -hmm. that's what I do in the writing process. I figure out what the book needs to cover. And then I come up with the chapters. And then I write each chapter. <laughs> so I do have to start with some type of an outline, some type of outline form and then go from there. And that does that mean it's written perfectly first time? No. I have to tweak it. I want to make sure it flows well and that it makes sense to the reader. So
1: Oh my goodness, you have shared so much. Very, very quickly we got less than two minutes. Can you share three to four steps? That you've taken that help get the word out about your books?
0: I'm sorry, you cut out?
1: Have you had, like, uh, can you share very quickly maybe three steps that you've found to be effective to get the word out about your books so your books find their readers?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, set up book signings. Uh, A lot of times, uh, bookstores will allow you book signings. You have to do some phone calling and set that up with them. Also, social media is a great format to get out there, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and also YouTube. Uh, What are you an expert in? What did you write about? Maybe you need to set up a YouTube channel so that you can have more followers that way. And then being on podcasts like this, Uh, with Denise so that uh, she can help promote you uh, and get the word out like that and of course telling your friends your relatives your neighbors anybody that you can talk with about it as well And the local library is another great place to have a book signing
1: oh thank you so much Karen last thing where can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books
0: You can go to Amazon.com, or you can go to my website, KarenFord.org.
1: Okay, we have been delighted, and I'm telling you, if you came in midstream or near the end of the show, no worries, no worries, once the show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it as many times as you like in the archives, and we have had the pleasure of speaking with Karen Ford, and Karen Ford is the author of the books You Can Do It, Money Nuggets, 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money and Money Matters, and she is online at karenford.org, K-A-R-E-N-F-O-R-D.org. Encourage you to support Karen. If you just listen to the show, you see how practical her, her approach is. I really think you would just listen to the show. You can glean something from it that can help you. With your finances. So it's time, if you've been practicing magical thinking or digging your head in the sand, you can come out of any amount of debt that you have created and possibly come out sooner than you'd ever imagine and start building wealth. So I encourage you to go over and visit our website, KarenFord.org, or get a copy of one of our books. You can do it Money Nuggets 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money and Money Matters. As always, well first I want to thank Karen for being here with us today And I thank you, our listeners, whether this was your first time tuning in off the shelf Or you, one of our loyal listeners, been with us for 15 years As I always tell you, you are amazing, you are incredible Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself And we'll come back here next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Where we'll have another awesome guest for you Karen, I'll shoot you an email with a link to the show after it finishes streaming. Bye for now. Thank you.